Greatest show with Trisha. Hi. Metal Jesus, whom we also call Kevin. Will you say something, Kevin? No. <laughs> and special guest, Jason. Hey. Hey. And uh and and of course me, DJ. I'm I'm the best looking one here, but I don't want to brag. Um, if you want to talk to us on the air, we are on the chat. Uh, we started using the chat again as of last week. Uh, TLK.io slash The Greatest Show. Um, if you missed us last week, we gave away something, and somebody actually should have received it by now. I haven't asked her about it, but she, she got a box of stuff for free. Like a cool lot stuff. of stuff in that box. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I think it, well, it was some comics. Um, there, there a was Funko. like a Funko Pop, a few comics, at least one graphic novel, and uh, a pennant, I think. Cool. And I included some journal clips and dog treats and cat toys. Yeah. Oh. That does sound cool. So I have been trying to give stuff away on the air forever, and... So she popped on, and I she said hi to all of us because she was in the chat too. Then, and I said, "You know what? You can win something if you literally just answer the question: Which host do you like the best?" And she chose Metal Jesus last week. So I'm like, "Okay, you win." And then I asked for her address, and we said, <laughs> "Outstanding." Um, she was in Ohio, I believe. Yes. Maybe she'll join us again tonight. She found me, or found the show. Uh, because she bullet journals and she found the bullet journal role playing game. I was just telling my wife about that the other day. She thought it was a cool concept, so she might get onto that. Do either of you bullet journal? Um, I don't bullet journal. I use an ineffable game of my own devising for my journaling. Um, but she's she's gotten to that point in her career where just remembering it isn't quite enough. And so she's looking into bullet journal or something else like that. She doesn't want to go full Franklin planner. So bullet journal is probably right where it is for her. And in with the bullet, I mean, without the role playing game portion of the bullet journal keeps me organ. Well, it should keep me organized, except I haven't touched it since um, the middle of February. That is the trouble with journals. Well, my trouble is that I'm working too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you uh, put out are you uh, you you are kickstarting an anthology. I would like to get this out right away so that we have it, you know, the important stuff out of the way. Go ahead and tell us about your anthology, and uh, we'll kind of branch out from there. Sounds good. Uh, the anthology is called There and Back Again, and what it is is it's a collection of essays by gamers, tabletop role playing game people who have traveled and how that travel has impacted their gaming, whether that's from uh, rules they've put into the games, adventures they've designed on places they've visited, or just the way that the experience of traveling has changed them as people. And we've got uh, 20 people, a lot of them are actually kind of big deals in the industry, shockingly enough, who've 
delivered some really interesting pieces of work on this. So I'm pretty thrilled about it. It's up there on the uh, on the chat thing right now for us. It's uh, that's the actual Google Hangouts chat. Oh, Kickstarter. Yeah, it's the Kickstarter. Uh, you know, I haven't actually physically looked at the Kickstarter page before. <laughs> Shame on me. Hey. Metal, pu Metal put it in the chat, the tlk.io. Yeah, okay. Well, and I'm going to... Oh, I, I, I highlighted myself, and then I was going to share the screen, but of course, I just highlighted myself and then uh, browsed away from it. Uh, let's see here. Screen share. Okay. Awesome. That's us right there. And it's uh, and we've got a number of interesting ones. We haven't asked all the authors to turn in full essays yet, but I've got outlines for most of them. And we've got, for example, Eddie Webb's doing an essay on the difference between conference culture in the U.S. versus in Ireland, where he lived for a while last year. We've got. Is he not living in Ireland anymore? No, no. He moved back home either late. 2017 or early 2018, and I'm pretty sure it was late 2017. Oh, shit. That means we can have him on the show, because the reason he wouldn't come on before is, is like, I'm in Ireland, man. The, the, the time shift would absolutely kill me, and I'm like, all right. Yeah. God, Eddie's, Eddie's really, really mellow and eager. It's really he's, he's really fun to work with. All right. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. As you see, the uh, actual Kickstarter is not doing great right now, but we have a few weeks left, and we've got a lot of things coming along to get towards our goal there. But yeah, I'm really excited about who's involved and what the essays I've seen are so far. Well, I think that, uh, I mean, you, I, I just heard you on Fear the Boot and you heard me on Fear the Boot, which yeah. is I think how you found me. Yes, exactly. Okay. And I think that would have given a big boost. I don't know how many backers you had before the Fear the Boot thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh I, I I'm I wrote something. Yes, you did. You, and I'm very happy to be a part of the number of people that I see listed there. Uh with the like uh like Eddie. Um Mikey Mason. Oh, okay, musician. That's probably why I know him. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who did She Don't Like Firefly and Best Game Ever. Scooby Thulu. <laughs> Oh my. Yeah, that was actually photos I took. I, I lived in Malaysia with my kids for a couple, well, a little more than a year. And that's from a festival called Taipusum. There were a million people coming to this one temple in Kuala Lumpur. And some of them were doing that. Is, is, the, is, is the lady, is that piercings? Yeah, that is uh, little cups of milk on a oh fish hook. Oh. Ah. Wow. And they, she's been walking, I think it's seven miles. Wow. With all that on her back? Yes. I, I, I. What? What's the purpose behind it? So my understanding, and I probably have it wrong, <laughs> is that it's a purification kind of thing. Not quite a ton of sin, but getting demonstrating either to yourself or others how serious you are about your faith by going through some kind of torment. And in this case, walking seven miles with jugs of milk 
literally fish hooked into your back. No. Yeah, that's like, no thank that's you. Hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> I have no piercings and no tattoos. Yeah, I mean, I I try not to judge. I've known women who are into much more painful stuff recreationally, but you know, to each their own. It's not something I necessarily want to do for my church either. But it's a that's huge uh, event. Literally a, mir- a million people show up. Oh. Um, and when I was explaining the book to my wife earlier tonight, um, she asked me, well, she kind of looked at me weird, and I said that uh, if I was running her through a, a game, I could, the, the basic idea behind this would be I could use a place that I've actually been to describe and enhance the game that she's being a part of. Exactly. Which now makes me realize that I've been doing this since I first got deployed to Okinawa, that I've, I've included all kinds of stuff in games that, of, of places I've been. Well, I think that's one of the things about gaming as adults, right? Where when we were in high school and college, we could run marathon sessions and play a couple times a week because we didn't have responsibilities. And we kind of trade that off for having deeper, richer games because we're deeper, richer people. That we have more experience to throw into the games, more things we've seen that let us give more rich descriptions, better understanding of humans and their motivations. The other thing I would probably also end up doing is taking those marathon games that I used to be a part of in the Navy Mm -hmm. and using characters from that to enhance games that I'm running now obviously removing the specific setting to make it fit into whatever I'm running. So yes, I've, I've written something for it. I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, I won't pledge on air, but I will, I'm going to pledge towards it. Very cool. And if it doesn't, yeah, it would be good. It would be good. Yeah. And, and if it doesn't work out this time, we'll regroup and then do it again. Uh, near the end of summer so we can have a production cycle that gets it out in time for Christmas. Okay. So I know that doesn't give a lot of urgency to people who are on the fence about bidding just now, but, you know, to full disclosure, if it doesn't work, we'll do it again when it does work. Well, it's good to know there's a black, back, eh, a black up pan, a backup plan <laughs> for the future because a lot of, I, I, I guess a lot of Kickstarters I hear about, if they don't make it, they just, they're like, I don't know what to do now. Well, <laughs> should have a plan for that. Retool. Try again. I've done a handful of Kickstarters, and about maybe half of them succeeded. And of those, at least one of them I had to do a second time. Kind of re- revisit things, let the promotion kind of expand, and then try it again. And so we'll see what happens. Nice. And I've never personally kickstarted anything, although there's all kinds of stuff that I would love to kickstart because I would love to have somebody else pay for it. But I, uh, I need time for that too. Yeah, yeah. And you got a full-time working man's job. And, yeah, uh, work way more hours than I want to. <laughs> I was explaining the Metal Jesus before you hopped on because um, he was like, well, how many hours you working? And I mean, if... If I end up working my day off, like has happened a lot lately, I'm I'm working close to sixty hours a week, and if I wanted to work that many hours, I'd sign up onto that list. But it's, I mean, I'm doing what I can. Yeah. 
Yeah. And what, Metal Jesus, what do you do for a living? I go to college. I'm about to graduate in a month, so uh, then I'll be looking for a job. So. Hey, in what? What are you getting your degree in, man? Uh, IT with a minor in computer science. So basically networking, software engineering, uh, all that geeky stuff. So. so getting a job, not that difficult. Getting a job that doesn't suck, a little more difficult. And we have been enticing him to come out this direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm definitely tempted. So just, you know, gotta find a job and all that, so. Very cool. Well, you know, California's Silicon Valley, and apparently we're the Silicon Forest, so. Yep. Keep that in mind. Yeah, because um, I'm out here in the colonies in Hillsboro, and there's, I think, five Intel campuses within two miles of me. This is a, this is a mill town. Wow. Um, my brother just started working for Nike as a developer. Mm. So. Yeah, that's just down the road, too. Yeah, he's he lives over in Beaverton. Yeah. Way over there. Yeah, Way out in the colonies. The colonies. <laughs> we hear stories about that end. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a mess, I tell you. It's a mess. Yeah. <sighs> well, now that we got the important stuff out of the way, we can spend the rest of the hour and a half fucking around. Sounds good to me. Oh, by the way, you can swear on this podcast. Oh, fucking hell. Awesome. We had mentioned off air that uh, we have both been to uh, Japan, and um, I uh, forgot where I was going with that, so I'm going to have to stop until I remember. <laughs> so, oh, boy. This is like the kind of the kind of podcast where I can tell the Japan story that I didn't tell on the Fear the Boot podcast. There you go. So I was living in Nagasaki. And in Nagasaki, they had this bunch of miscreants that rode in this big black bus with the Imperial Japan flag painted on the side. Oh, yeah. Right? Like oh. the, the old school Rising Sun flag, right? Yeah, this is the equivalent of a big black bus with the Confederate flag on it, right? <laughs> and they're driving around with their loudspeaker, Gaijin go home, Koreans go home, all kinds of just deeply racist. I'm talking racist for East Asia rhetoric. So we refer to these gentlemen as the Ku Krux Kran. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. That's so racist. Yeah. <laughs> well. And well. because they were screaming assholes, me and my buddy Nick went and uh, asked them for directions to the A-bomb memorial. Oh. <laughs> and that is... The fastest I've run in my adult life. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're racist, I'll fuck with you. <laughs> and I don't mind seeming a little racist myself to do it. Oh, man. Yeah. <sighs> you, you know, that's, I, wish that I, had, I wish that I would have learned Japanese while I was over there. I had two little... Um, Japanese late Okinawans that I worked with when I did get my galley duty, but I didn't, I wasn't interested in learning Japanese at the time. And I, I so wish that I had been. Yeah. I sucked at it too. I did not learn Japanese while I was there. I got to where I could order food and tell the cabbie how to get me home. Um, my Japanese sucked. I was 
pleased to find out, though, I went back a little more than two years ago, just for a brief and I found out that while my Japanese still sucked, it didn't suck worse than it did in 2002. So I got that going for me, I suppose. That's that's good. Um, I, I, I serve a lot of Vietnamese on my route, so I started learning Vietnamese just a little over a year ago. And I can... again. Did, did I pop back on? Yeah, you're back. Okay. I, I have a lot of Vietnamese on my route, so I learned speaking Vietnamese about a little over a year ago, and I can have a very rudimentary conversation now. Cool. So you can you actually have a gift for languages. I I think I do. I, I chose I specifically chose Vietnamese because I would have a chance to talk with a lot of Vietnamese, you know, actually use it. And I've been told that Vietnamese is insanely difficult to learn. So if I learn the worst one, obviously I can kind of flow into the others. I, I think you mentioned that on, on the Fear the Boot episode you were on, now that you mention it. Um, that was one of the things I was using to help develop like the quest system on the, the Bujo RPG, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I... Uh, the, the hardest thing with Vietnamese has been the accents. They've, they've got... Every vowel in our alphabet, but every vowel has a set of accents on it to tell you whether or not to go up or down or pronounce it, you know, with the specific. It's just, it's so, so tough. Like the other day, I learned how to say I don't like rain. Um, but if you don't say the word rain correctly, it's either dance or romance, depending on what <laughs> accent you use. <laughs> that could be really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It is. For a weatherman. <laughs> and um all the vietnamese guys i work with they take break at the same time and they they my my truck that i load is in is it's in the smoking area and they one of them smokes so they all kind of hang out there so i'm listening to them today and normally i have kind of a concept of what they're talking about which is normally complaining about the mail volume that day or how they're going to deliver this or what the supervisor told them or stuff stuff like that but today it was sunny on top of my truck, but 15 feet away, it was raining to beat all hell. So mm. they were complaining about the rain. So I got the, <laughs> I got to hear rain so many times. I'm like, oh, I know what they're talking about. They're going dancing? I don't understand. What's happening here? No, no, no. They pronounce it right. And okay. it's, it's, it's been taken, <clears throat> like, the word for rain is okay. And what, I, what I've learned to do is jut my chin out when I'm saying it, and then I never pr pronounce it wrong. So muh. So it's one of those total languages then, like like uh, Mandarin, like Chinese. Uh. It's yeah, and I started to learn Mandarin because I had access to two Mandarin speakers. But the 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 vowels are so complicated that I wanted to back off because only two of them isn't going to be worth starting oh. with. So. Crazy. Oh yeah. Did you remember why you brought up Japan? I was just filling time. No, <laughs> it'll hit me. <laughs> I do oh, this a lot. I'll, I'll start down a road and all of a sudden it'll be like, I don't know where I was going. Fair enough. God damn it. Nice. Sorry. Sorry, Metal. I keep cutting you off. No worries. Probably at the end of the podcast after we go off the air, you'll go, now I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that before. Nah. Episode 104. 117, 132. 
All right, all of them. All of them that I drink on. I don't drink on all of them, by the way. Two well, old that's a mistake right there. How old are you? When I was over there? No, right now. How, how old am I? I'm yeah. 45. I'm ancient. I'm okay. I well, Yay, I'm not the oldest one on the podcast anymore. Rub it in. I'm 42. <laughs> I'm going to say you're, oh. you're going to love that. <laughs> it's your Douglas Adams year, dude. What yes. do you know about it? Um, do you know where your towel is? No. Yeah, it's in the bathroom. It's in the okay. bathroom. There you are a hoopy fruit. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've read the story, so some of the stuff takes a little bit to catch on, but I'm with you. Okay. Excellent. And some of the references that my the so the original co-host of this is my buddy Bob, who lives in Indiana. He is working basically seven days a week right now, so he, he can never he never has time to be on. But he made references to all kinds of stuff, and then I had to read all the materials, and that I discovered that all of it, almost all of it, comes from Douglas Adams. So, okay, like I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure the four rules that you live by come from him also, which is cows are cool, beer is our friend, Oreos are evil, don't trust them, and fish don't exist. Lost you again. So I think you're naming the books and the try. You're you're just now back. I think you're naming the. Uh, Four books in the trilogy. No, um, I was I was naming the four rules to live by. Cows are cool. Beers are friend. Oreos are evil. Don't trust them. And fish don't exist. Huh. I don't remember those. But okay, so then that must have been off. I I forget where he, we added a whole bunch more rules, but yeah, this those are the four important ones. And I have people ask me all the time. Well, the fish don't exist thing. They're like, what do you mean fish don't exist? Well, you've been taught all your life to believe they exist, but they don't. We're like, well, I just had fish last night for supper. I'm like, but did you eat rice? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, that's what you ate. Oh. <laughs> and the other thing is, what do you mean? I, I love Oreos. I'm like, oh, you can eat them. Just don't trust them. <laughs> lying, yeah. lying sandwich snack. Although now with all the flavors of Oreos, I feel like some of them are lies. Yeah. You go and eat the Oreos that are on on your wife's plate, and it's some weird birthday cake flavor or some other thing. And yeah, it's truly deceitful Oreos now. Well, there's a yellow one for spring, but I don't think it's a different flavor. I just think it's a yellow filling. Huh. Again, deceitful. Yeah. And why don't they just understand that none of us want the cookie? We just want the filling. <laughs> They should sell just the can of filling. Right? Finally, someone agrees with me. <laughs> oh, man. Trisha looks like she threw up in her mouth just a little bit now. Just working on my website. <laughs> cool. we, we actually, we eat really, well, we normally eat really healthy. We, we have a hard, we're having a hard time getting back on to where we used to be, which was we made everything at home. Um, it Just was remember, all... he keeps saying we and he means me. Okay, ah. she made everything at home. Um, it was all fresh stuff. Uh, everything was pre-prepared. Um, so, like, uh, most of our meals were some form of chicken and some form of topping for the chicken. Mm. And vegetables. 
and vegetables and, and whatnot. And we lost an insane amount of weight, moved out here, kind of fell off the wagon. Um, I, I'm like 50 pounds up from where we were when we moved or when we, where we were when we stopped eating. Yeah, right? that's, that's what happens with me when I lose my weight. It turns out it's not that hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, don't I don't want to find it. I want to lose it again. Yeah. Well, after we came out here, I didn't have a car anymore. And oh, yes. so that really, you know, that hinders the shopping that I always had available to me at any time. And um, we definitely, well, our condo is half the size of our old house. Mm -hmm. So we have a much smaller fridge, a much smaller freezer, and we don't have a deep freeze like we did in North Dakota. And um, so so it's just been... It's tough. Well, and I've, I've just... I've had a <laughs> had a very big health struggle. I mean, I've I've just not been doing good since we moved out here. So, so I kind of lost lost motivation, lost ambition for quite a while too. That's that's a that's a risk of living in the Pacific Northwest. The seasonal affective disorder is strong in this region. Oh no, I love the weather. Okay. Um, I just I was um, I was volunteering at uh, Scrap downtown. And I was having major respiratory issues the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And I I initially thought that it was from out here being so much more humid mm -hmm. than we were used to in North Dakota. And then when I stopped volunteering there and I stopped getting sick all the time, mm -hmm. um, that was kind of the turning point there. Um, and then I, I volunteer at cons and stuff too. So I used to get the con crud for a, a good month afterwards because I was already run down from, from scrap volunteering. So, oh, but like I said, once I got through that, I got a lot better, but then a year ago I re-injured my back. And so that's, that's been a massive, <laughs> massive struggle for the last year. Yeah. It sounds like moving out to Portland has been just the best possible thing for y'all. Um. <laughs> getting away from North Dakota at any cost is worth it. Uh, and and just note that right now there is like four feet of snow and it's probably actively snowing right now where we came from. Uh, yesterday it was three below. Um, right now it's twenty. Mm. Yeah. View is twenty-two. Now my wife moved down here from Toronto, and so she keeps referring, looking out the window, and saying. Hey Jason, it's snowing. Yeah, we we always say it's it, when people tell us it's raining here, we're like, oh, you mean it's a slight drizzle? Okay, cool. Because yeah. they're like they're freaking out about a half inch of accumulation over twenty four hours. Yeah, I'm like, why? Why is that a problem? <laughs> if you guys uh, in North Dakota, you get those big those big thunderstorms where it dumps a swimming pool on you every five minutes, but it only lasts for like half an hour. Yes. That and hail. Yeah. And, and the hail is not like snow cone hail. Like it is out here. It's demolish your house and car and anything outside hail. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Northwest weather is mellow. It's nice that way. It, I mean, it will drizzle on us for 90 consecutive days. 
but it's never a serious heavy rainfall like you get in a lot of other parts of the world. No. Um, although we, the in the short three years that we've lived here, we have been here for the like the hottest summer on record, the rainiest winter on record, the the this on record. I mean, it's like we're getting every. We are tired of hearing the words on record. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that tells me? You two alone are the responsible for climate change. Yeah. The rest of us are safe. And you were here for the apocalypse last summer when, you know, the entire state was on fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was pretty, it was getting close to the evacuation zone being in our area. Right. Yeah, we actually had somebody staying here who lived not far from you, who Mm -hmm. got out while the getting was good. So I'm starting to agree with Metal Jesus. I think it's your fault. I would like to I don't doubt that. I would like to point out the good thing that has happened is that the Portland Timbers didn't win the MLS until we moved here, and I, I claim responsibility for that. <laughs> More proof of the apocalypse? Just saying. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so I got this shirt from DJ's closet, and I was also wearing his Timbers coat today. And I walk over to acupuncture, and she's like, Oh, you must be a, a huge Timbers fan. And I'm looking down. I'm like, not really. <laughs> it's all my husband's stuff. But sure, I've watched him a couple times. Because <laughs> I didn't I didn't even think about it. I had the coat on. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm wearing a coat. And I take the coat off. I'm like, oh, I'm wearing a shirt, too. This is awkward. Yeah. This is awkward. <laughs> Uh, I always, get, I always get asked those questions when when I'm, uh, if there's pineapple, sure. Um, yeah, I always get asked that question. I'm like, like, no, I'm not really a fan of any sport. Well, there's your trouble right there. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, was, I well, oh yeah. DJ told me that I am a fan of the Tennessee Titans because they have a pretty logo. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So tomorrow night, Ronda Rousey from the UFC is having her um, world wrestling uh, entertainment debut. Oh, the DJ, did you hear that, DJ? I heard Ronda Rousey and a wrestling. So say it okay. again. So are you, you're a you're a fan. You're a UFC fan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Ronda signed with WWE. Mm-hmm. Debut tomorrow. Huh. So, so I had made comments before you jumped on that I really wanted to watch the fights tonight, but I'm I'm interested in the Rose Namajunas fight. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I have no idea which way that's going to go, but that's going to that's going to be a good brawl. Yeah. The last the last fight I saw was uh the Nunez home card back just before the New Year's. Yeah. That was that, that was. It's important. I'll have to have to have me out next time about once a quarter. I just have a bunch of people out to watch the fights. There it goes, hon. That's there where I'm go. going. Great. <laughs> and we also have uh, another room with board games and people who don't want to watch the fights but want to be around and drink a little and hang out with folk. And there's a wall and a door in between the two rooms. So <laughs> prevent interference. So you are, of course, also welcome. So I listened to the UFC Unfiltered podcast. Okay. 
in the last episode with Dana White, they were talking about Floyd Mayweather coming to fight a MMA fight. Yeah, I've been Connor. watching that with interest. I'll I'll buy that fight. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you see the Onion article the day after the first McGregor Mayweather fight? No. World shocked when professional boxer beats amateur boxer in boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> and because that fight, man, it's we all kind of had our hopes up for McGregor getting a lucky shot in first, but that was just a beautiful demonstration of how to strategically win a boxing match where he just spent the first three, four rounds letting McGregor think he was doing well while gassing himself out and then just ratcheting up the pressure and then just finishing it. It was. I, I don't like Mayweather. I think he's oh. a, an over bloated putts, but I, I called it. I said that if he, yeah. if, if McGregor doesn't win in the first five rounds, he loses. Yeah. And everybody was like, how can you say that? And I'm like, he's not a boxer. Yeah. Mayweather is an absolute ass on apparently all fronts, but he is an incredibly skilled technical boxer. And that's exactly what it took to beat Mayweather's ass. It was a lot like when home beat Rousey. You know, for a long time, people thought that Rousey was unbeatable, but you knew the person who was going to beat her was a highly skilled kickboxer who could take her out before she got her got to grappling. And that's exactly what happened. And now yeah. we know all you need to do is punch her in the head and she's out. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Although I did like, um, oh, what was the thing I saw after the, after the, the home fight? It's really, uh, what's the word, inappropriate and horrible, but it's a picture of Bill Cosby saying, did someone say Ron is unconscious? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, All but, I saw were memes that put her beside the, uh, the sloth guy from Goonies. <laughs> yeah, I can see that too. And I don't want to pile on her because I've respected her as an athlete ever since, you know, back when she was doing judo. But, she, uh, you know, she, I think what happened to her really was what happened to, for example, George Lucas or M. Night Shyamalan, where they got, they got kind of big celebrity and stopped hanging out with the people from the, from the block who would tell them, Dude, no, you're being ass. Stop it. Stop it right now. They stopped hanging out with the people willing to tell them no. And the results are you get knocked out on um, a national pay-per-view. It's like Mike Tyson replaced his entire crew with yeah. people he knew. And the ice iron thing that they used was just an ice-filled glove at one point. And that's why Buster Doug was beating. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... If you don't hang out with at least a couple of people willing to tell you no anymore, things are going to go poorly for the rest of your career. That is correct. Um, but I do agree with you that if Mayweather doesn't say no to getting in the UFC, the octagon with McGregor, I think is going to be a very, very different uh, result. Well, I see. I see this as Mayweather getting the big payday regardless, and then Connor getting to say, "Look, I can." Beat him. Professional MMA fighter beats amateur MMA fighter in fight. Exactly. Um, and what I what I think what I think will happen with this, and at least I hope it'll happen, is it's going to be a trilogy. Oh God! And they're going to just get they're they're the both of them are just going to get 
ungodly sums of money. So Mayweather wins the boxing match. Then McGregor's going to just destroy him in a UFC match. And then they'll negotiate for some other rule set, maybe K1. And um, have a third and final tiebreaker. Which well, would be I, Mayweather will be for it as long as it doesn't touch his undefeated boxing wow. record because now it's he can be 0 and 1, whatever. Yeah, be interesting. I'm gonna grab a beer, I'll be right back. Sweet, <sighs> Metal. You look like you're hitting it pretty hard there, buddy. Hitting it what drinking? Oh, no, I'm just on my uh, second drink. I, I guess I also have to remember that your haircut is going to make you look a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Feels weird. For those listening to the audio from the audio uh, feed, um, you're going to want to go watch this video because uh, Metal Jesus got a haircut. First time in six years. It took me six years to grow that that hair? Yep. Mind you, I was bold whenever I started it, so hmm. it took a while. Usually, when I get my haircut for donations, it takes just a little bit over a year to grow enough. Lucky you. We'll see from <laughs> now, so. Yeah. I haven't donated it since, well, since the, I mean, I technically haven't donated the hair I got cut off here either, but I haven't, I haven't grown it for donations since then, because if it's colored or bleached, you can't uh, donate it either. So just, I mean, just this little chunk of my hair is bleached, but oh. <sighs> yeah. So that's the other problem. I, and I still don't remember what my Japan thing was, but I thought of something else about Japan. Um, while I was, <laughs> while I was stuck over there the first time and got super bored, we got to see the uh, sumo tournaments. Oh yeah. So I have a huge appreciation for sumo, and uh, if if you watch her eyes as she rolls them loudly, uh, she ends up <laughs> she ends up watching. I found a guy that puts up uh, basically a digest of every match that happens in the top division. So every every tournament now I get to see all the matches in the top division. Nice. And. I've always wanted to use to to turn chess into like TV poker. I wanted to present chess as a something that's not boring like everybody thinks it is. But the only thing that I've been able to do so far is I'm now creating. Whoa, DJ, you're gone! <laughs> wow, man, that eye roll was. I mean, look at how good. I knocked him right off the internet with that eye roll. Well done. I wow. know. I've, I have never had that kind of power before. I don't know what happened there. Her <laughs> eye roll knocked you out of the internet. Yep. <laughs> I, apparently, nobody, apparently the internet doesn't want to hear about my chess slash sumo crossbreed. Nope. You know the chess boxing's a thing, right? I don't understand why. And I love chess. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a thing. Yeah, fight a round and play five minutes of chess, and then you'll fight another round and play five minutes of chess. <laughs> oh, That's really weird. It's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> I'm just having everybody play a tournament and 
when you're done, you get ranked like the sumo wrestlers do, and then I give you titles, not Yokozuna type stuff, but I've, I've renamed things so that people that want to continue being part of it can do it. Now, I designed it so that lower ranked, like lower rated people like myself had some sort of competition to participate in. But because of my time control on chess.com, I've gotten quite a few strong players that are very interested in what I'm doing. So, cool. I think the right, uh, what's the word? Not announcer, commentator would make all the difference. Right now, I don't have any sort of recap show. But mm. the reason for that is the tournaments that I've run, I haven't had the same people in both tournaments. So I'm trying to get the people that want to be part of it long term to sign up in my little chess club so that every time I have an event, they're just automatically subscribed to my event so that they are constantly in there. And then I'll start putting out a post product. Okay. I would, I'd probably watch that. That'd be <laughs> I'm hoping that that's what that turns into someday. But right now, I'm just trying to get the same people to continuously show up every time. And I'm only running six tournaments a year, just like Sumo. So, Okay. okay. I just got uh, roped into coaching the chess team at my son's school. So that'll be fun. Yeah, it's, he wanted a chess team, and they didn't have a chess team. So I went in and asked, why not? And they said, because we don't have a parent volunteer to run it. Ha, 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 ha. You we just watched the one. Bob's Burgers last night that uh, Bob got roped into coaching the soccer team. So we know what you're talking about. Excellent. <laughs> they speak the truth on that show. They speak the truth. Yeah, they do. Do you they have handed, a... They handed him a clipboard and, and they're like, he's got the clipboard. He's coaching. <laughs> one, two, three, do, not it. Uh, mm -hmm. do, do, do you have, do you know a rating, how strong you are or anything? Um, no, I'm terrible. No, I'm I'm middling. Uh, and what I noticed when I was in late high school and getting kind of serious about chess was that everybody who was more serious about chess than me, which was probably about 60% of the chess playing population, weren't having that much fun playing chess anymore. And I opted out because I really enjoy playing chess. And I want to continue enjoying playing chess. My... I keep saying it's fifth grade, but it's actually sixth grade. My sixth grade chess club, mm -hmm. we basically ran it as if we were the WWE. We had championships. We had events. We had people constantly with storylines, all kinds of stuff. It was great fun. It only lasted one year. And uh, <laughs> I long for the days to recreate that. That would be really cool. Yeah. So I'll tell the story of my wife who's not here. Otherwise, she doesn't let me tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> Yeah, as, as I mentioned before the cast, she's a, she's a literary agent, and I'm a freelance writer, and we met at a conference, a writing conference, about two, two years ago. And so we had a long-distance relationship, and then she came out to be here with me. During the long-distance part, we played a game of chess online. Oh, boy. And she was kicking my ass. And I'm chatting with a couple of my other friends. I'm like, dude, she plays chess. Hey, all right. She's beating me. Oh, my God. Dude, marry this woman, right? So a couple months ago, she admits to me that what she had done oh, was God. on another screen, brought up a chess computer, cranked <laughs> the difficulty to maximum, and played my moves against it, and then played on our screen the moves it was playing. 
very recently confessed that. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. One. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> but she got smart of me, which is kind of sexy, too. <laughs> it all changes after you get married. All of a sudden, she can't play chess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She beat me at Scrabble the other day, though, which is a, a first for her. And I'm not allowed to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you in like a dozen games. Yes, but who won the most recent game? It's not what you've done. What have you done lately? When are we playing again? Never. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to retire on top. I can understand that. Yeah. Oh, man. Floyd Mayweather understands that. Yes. We'll see how well, that works out for him. <laughs> oh, man. Very cool. We've also got 50 matches to go. He's got the history behind him. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not as funny if you elaborate like that, Metal. Come on. Well, what is funny is he had a little leg there, and what I heard him say, although what he said was he has history on his side or something worse to that effect. Yeah. What it sounded to me like he said with the lag was, but he has 50 baboons to go. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking hilarious. And we I have our title for the show. Oh boy! Awesome. We have fifty baboons to go. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, last show he had two titles. Yeah. And couldn't remember. Could only remember one. And he comes out of the room and he's like, "What was the other title that I wanted to use?" And of course, neither of us could remember it. So, you wrote this one down, right, DJ? Yep, yep, this one got written down. So last episode was totes of porg because I used that phrase. And then I used another phrase and I was like, oh, maybe that one. I don't remember what the other one was. I still don't remember what the other one was. Nope. I, I don't know if anybody else got to hear my cha-ching, but I just made a sale online. So That's I want to tell you that. Now, so yeah. I've heard a sentence about what you do. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Manufacture and ship cool handicrafty things. You know what, Jason? This is a perfect time for us to institute the brand new "Let's Do Trisha's" uh, commercial in the show. Ooh. Why don't we get to that again for the second week in a row? Well, now, then I guess I better go prepare some props. Oh, okay. Well, let's just get some props while we talk. There's a podcast oh, like called Sawbones. It's run by a husband and wife team, uh -huh. and they, in their ad break in the middle, they refer to it as "Okay, it's time to go to the billing department." Yeah. That's their transition. Nice. That That's clever. I am out of beer. Shame on you. Okay, well, you go get more while I'm looking for my props. But we have lots and lots of wine. I, I don't understand wine. I don't get it. So uh, It's made from grapes. It gets drunk. I Listen. I don't make me come to New Jersey to slap the crap off your face. All right, I don't. I get what wine is made from. I just it doesn't nice. doesn't trip my trigger. Nice cup. I think so. It's a birthday present. 
Yeah, I'm, um, I prefer her beer to wine, but I'm not a snob. I'll drink wine. What type of wine? Uh, so I like a good uh, Merlot. I like a good uh, Sauvignon Blanc. My wife's a huge fan of Chardonnay. In fact, one of her life mottos is, when in Rome, I'll have the Chardonnay. Uh, <laughs> All I'm, right. I'm a sake fan as well. Which is, I think, technically a wine. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a rice wine. Yeah. Yeah, we actually have... Oh, my God, you guys. Um, Do you know that the only sakurai that is recognized in Japan but run by gaijin is 10 miles west of here? Really? And they do tours and tastings. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I don't know that my wife gets gets wine either, but, I mean... I get sick from pretty much everything except for cider and, um, like, the Mike's hard stuff. Ah. Oh, my God. My AirPods are going to die. There it is. I have to keep switching back and forth and charge one at a time mm. because my AirPods keep dying on me. Oh. <laughs> are you ready for the ad break? Almost. Got it. Okay. Got it. This one has to realize it's in my head. Gotcha. There we go. It realized it's in my head. Okay, well, I'm going to get some props while you're running your ad, and uh, and, and I'll be right back. Okay. All right. So, so my business started um, 14 years ago as, as a dog treat bakery. Huh. And so hmm. I have been making um, dog treats forever and ever and ever. Because we got a little Pomeranian, and I like cooking. I On this podcast, on our old shows, they used to do, um, we would just set up a camera in the kitchen, and while I cooked, they would just watch and talk over what I was doing. <laughs> so, because I, I make a lot of stuff homemade. And um, so anyways, yeah, my business started as dog treats, and then all I have is a Christmas color for some reason, but... Yeah. Uh, and then I started making tug toys, and then I decided, you know, cats probably need stuff. So now I stitch these little, um, it's an avocado. Shame on you. <laughs> I mean, only a complete pussy would make a pun like that. Yep. You not and then I've got claws in your contract. <laughs> And then I have I have uh, little cupcakes, and I've got catnip uh, candy that I make too. And oh, I guess I forgot I have cat treats even because people for some reason think their cats are going to eat cat treats. So I'm like, you know what? If you want to pay me for this, fine, we'll do that. So I make them cat treats. They buy cat treats, and some people even tell me their cats eat them. Um. Our cats in the past didn't. The cat we have now, I make them catnip, cat treats. And I use the exact same catnip that I use in all the toys. And she wants nothing to do with the treat. But other people tell me that their cats love them. Hmm. So then because I didn't have enough going on in my life, because, you know, if I'm not constantly stressed out, it's not good enough. I decided. Not tired enough. <laughs> I started making my own laundry soap. Hmm. 
And then I started making my own dishwasher detergent. And then I started selling my laundry soap. (laughs) And then I started making dryer balls, like the wool dryer balls that you you use in your dryer instead of a fabric softener. And what, what I'm actually working on right like now, right while we're on the show, are reusable dryer sheets. Hmm. So um, I didn't yeah. know this until I did my research, but apparently just plain old white distilled vinegar is a natural fabric softener. And so you take these these dryer sheets and you, you fold them up and you get a jar because I'm in Portland and I'm a hipster. Mm-hmm. And you do a half and half mixture of uh, vinegar and water, put some essential oil in there, soak your dryer sheets, and then you just throw them right in your dryer. And then when they come out of the dryer, you throw them back in the jar. Mm. Nice. Cool. And yeah. And so you keep reusing them. So I make all kinds of different patterns of uh like like here this is as close as i'll ever get to sushi (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so anyways i do that and then because dj's all into the bullet journaling stuff then i decided to make journal clips oh wow okay so i have these cute little sets that i i make of different stuff on paper clips and uh i also sell those and there's well there's a um there's a place in Tigard. Um, that's got to be somewhere over near you, sort of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Closer to you Metro. than me. If Portland Metro is a clock, you guys are at about 245 and Tigard's at about 6. Okay. So Tigard, there's a, um, a paper store. It's, it's Main Street. <sighs> Main Street... I don't know. Main Street Stationery and something else. Anyways, they have my clips over there. They're okay. gonna, they just, my my friend was over there buying stationery for her wedding that I'm doing all the printing for. And uh, and I'm like, hey, you guys want some of these clips? So they said they'll give them a try. Nice. But other than that, I sell online. I sell through Etsy. I sell through Amazon. And um, I wholesale also to a bunch of states that none of us are in. Okay. <laughs> nice. So so if you happen to go to Texas, you can find my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Minnesota or North Dakota now or uh, Queens. We, we talked about that one last week, Queens, New York. And, uh, and a cat rescue in California. And uh, they're all listed on my website too. And my website is madebytrisha.com Trisha is spelled (laughs) right T-R-I-C-I-A Sweet I will put it in the chat again for you Because I've misspelled your name how many times now? (laughs) Never Even, Even though it's like part of my name on the screen and on on uh on Facebook and the chat, and 
I love it when somebody emails me back and my, my name is my email and they spell it wrong. They're like, hi, Trisha, with an SH in my email that they just typed. <sighs> Don't know. So. So. Um, Jason, are you into like comics at all or, or just role playing? Um, I am. A little bit into comics. I was more into comics in my teens and 20s. It's one of those hobbies that falls off when you have kids and such. Uh, but yeah, mostly my nerddom is role-playing games and science fiction. Okay. Yeah. However, well, I've done enough reading of comic books and pay enough attention to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I can be a poser with comics as much <laughs> as I need. So... The Gamers Table podcast, uh, well, the, oh, sorry, Openly Gamers Theater, Openly Gamers Theater, um, they are the Gamers Table people. They started doing, uh, they, I just listened to the Batman actual play that they did, and I thought to myself, you know, somebody, these guys should really do like a, they should do their DC Cinematic Universe. They should do a Batman and then do a, something else and then do something else and then do a Justice League. Well... As soon as their Batman was done, I looked at my phone to see if they had anything else that had downloaded already. They downloaded the Justice League one, and the end of that Batman one basically rolls right into the next one. So, I mean, they already got that thought going. So, um, yeah, I I tried to watch the uh, the Justice League movie on the plane. Um, that bad? So, I, superhero I, movies on a small screen oh. are problematic already. <laughs> But it was very disappointing to me. The highlight of the entire movie was my wife making observations about how wet everybody was every time Jason Momoa came on screen. <laughs> Which is a fair point. I, I enjoyed the movie for what it was, and I know a lot of people are going into it with certain expectations, but you can't do that. No, I've, I've seen enough DC movies to know that if you go into with an expectation other than Maybe I won't want to chew my arm off to get out of the movie. You're going in with your sights set a little too high. Because DC <laughs> doesn't have the track record. Marvel's got yeah. 20 movies that you can go, I'm going to go into this with expectations because they've set me with expectations. DC, you're like, mm. yeah. Yeah, like Wonder Woman, I, I really wanted to love. And I feel like it's 20 years from now, people will be studying it and its influence on movie making. But... You didn't love I, Wonder Woman? I started watching 300 and ended up in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> and the final fight scene was Dragon Ball fucking Z. And I did not like Dragon Ball Z when I was a teenager. I loved Wonder Woman, the movie. I, I just, I, I loved it for what it was. It was. I loved everything up until the final fight. And I then became bored. But of what DC has given us so far, that is their pinnacle. That's their highlight. Their Everything else misses that mark. Absolutely agree that it was a high water mark. Um, and with the exception, of course, of uh, Batman Begins and Batman Dark Knight. But those don't belong to the cinematic universe. True, true. The they call theirs the expanded universe. Sorry. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, my, my youngest brother's a stand-up comic, and he has a riff about how 
he and me and his and the rest of the brothers got together one time and watched Dark Knight and took a shot every time something awesome happened. <laughs> no, so the funeral's right. next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and of the expanded universe movies, the one that I am waiting for um, may be uh, highlighted on the screen right now mm-hmm. um, because I decided <laughs> to wear this shirt for the podcast. Nice. Because Shazam is my favorite hero, and I know he's called Captain Marvel, but I have just given in, and I don't want to do the whole Captain Marvel Shazam thing. It's just Shazam because that's the only word they can promote. So that's it's Shazam. Fair enough. But since you're not super into comics, and you wouldn't get all my uh, what I'm reading now references, we'll just we'll get we'll get away from that. And I'm going to show you the only two physical. <laughs> Role-playing books that I owned before Metal Jesus sent me Burning Wheel. Okay. These are the only two that uh, I own. I love this game, and I when I bought this, I couldn't get my group to... I mean, they kind of humored me for a while, but then they stopped playing. Now, what is the one in your left hand there? They're both Wraith the Oblivion. Okay. This is the first edition. This is the second edition. Gotcha. And these are the two editions they made. Okay. And this one's the glow-in-the-dark cover. So if I shut the light off, I I don't know if you'd be able to see the glow. But it, it actually says Wraith in very I light see that. letters. That'll yeah. probably pop if the lights were off. It, it, well, I mean, if I shut the lights off and it was dark in here, this it would absolutely glow right now. Okay. Should I come shut your lights off? Well, and I'm not going to because the computer screen would highlight too. But I love this game, and I was really wanting White Wolf to put out a new version of it. I mean, Geist the Sin Eaters is close, but it's not. It's not Wraith. It is. It's. It's something else. Yeah, I love yeah. this game. I've not played that particular one, but I read the mechanics back when it came out because you know how it is. It, I have to read all the games, whether or not I have time to play them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah the curse of the role player. Yeah, and exactly. now, Metal Jesus has heard this. My wife has heard this. I have only played in the White Wolf storytelling system since 1994. I have not played anything else. That is not by choice. Although now I have done enough research on Age, the adventure game engine, and um, now what else was I? I, I've I've done enough research on other stuff to where I know I want to I want to use age, but I want I don't like fantasy settings, so I want I want the modern age system to come out. Um, now that they've Green Ronin has announced uh, Expanse RPG, I am totally into getting that. Um, I might actually get that as the physical book too. But I I really want oh Doctor Who role playing game. I also wanted to I've read enough on that to where I want to be I can I can run a game on in it. Very cool. I really want to be a player also, but I am also smart enough to realize that if I can just find players, I will be happy running the game too because I've I've only run games since 2005. I've only done running of games. Okay, wow. Yeah, I, I, like- I would love to play in a game. Um, I have two active campaigns and then a third one they're going to be starting up this summer. But my play group only lets me GM. So, see, so this would be great because then I could import your group, I could GM, and you could just be a player. But I, I do not D and D. 
And nobody will be happy if you would force me to D&D. That would be a very bad scenario. I got too many people who will only play D&D. So, I'm, you know, we do our own thing, and then I'll do other stuff with other people. If yeah. I could find a local group, I would totally run a game. Because what my idea was before, when we had a full cast and I had so many hosts, I didn't know what to do with myself, was run the Doctor Who role-playing game. And every story somebody would get to be the doctor. So we would all run our own versions of the doctor. And cool. I would just, you know, at some point I could have all of them on at the same time to have a multi-doctor story. I would love to do that in, in, in a real life setting. Let me connect you. I know a couple guys out there on East, on the East, East side who are looking for game. So I'll, I'll connect you to Ian and maybe Joey who's back from China. Okay. Uh, I, it's, and I mean, if I can get in as a player also, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be terrible either, but, did I tell you about the game that I the the game I run specifically for people who can only come occasionally? No, it's a Blades in the Dark game, which oh, is you've mentioned that. But that's all. I've, that's all. I've, I, I've um I don't know if Metal knows what Blades in the Dark is. I think I it. Okay, yeah. So it's yeah. that game, and because it's kind of heist based, and because you know I'm in my forties and most of my peers are in our forties and we're grown ups with jobs and kids and shit. Uh, it's really hard to get people to be able to commit to coming and playing a lot. So we're using that heist gang kind of structure to make everything episodic. So I commit to writing an adventure for the for the session that can be finished in a session. And then whoever's able to come are just the members of the gang who happen to be on hand for that particular heist. And so nice. it's really low pressure. You come when you come. You don't when you can't. It doesn't mess up the campaign arc. And... It just lets people get some game in, and it lets me run Blades in the Dark, which is an awesome damn system. I'm also old enough to realize that that's how this is going to work, too, which is why I latched on to Doctor Who, because let's say we're the group, and you just happen to be the doctor this week. You can't come next week. Well, we already know what Metal Jesus' doctor looks like, so we just go ahead and play that one, because he's no, got different companions and everything, and I can just run that system. Yeah. yeah. My D&D group, we meet once a month, Hell or High Water, and they're, they're, they're intense. I'll just put it that way, but it's it's fun. The closest thing I get to fantasy right now is I will probably I would be very interested in a Titan's Grave mm. scenario where there's technology. I like the technology. I don't like the I don't need Tolkien anymore. I'm, I'm yeah. over Tolkien. I just I just like rolling dice. I I'm I'm setting and system agnostic. I'll play. I'll, I'm a slut when it comes to gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us are. And and because I've got this whole episodic thing going on, I've also got ideas on what other things would work well in that setting. So if I know Metal Jesus wants to, to I, I'm I, we already talked last week about me running him just as a solo player through. Maybe you're interested in hopping on a video thing and playing for a couple of hours or whatever too. But um, now that you've mentioned that though, other things that would work well with a variable group of people. G.I. Joe, Transformers, Mask, uh, uh, Visionary. The what? Planet Mercenary. I don't know what that is, but okay. Yeah, you know the Schlock Mercenary comic? No. Heard of it. Okay, so this is comic's been running. I'm putting it in. It is a far future uh, mercenary company. Space opera. Okay. Uh, web comic, and it is smart and it is funny as hell. Uh, the 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 
example I give to tell you how smart and funny and creative and awesome this this comic is is in one of the episodes, a Dyson Sphere gets destroyed. We're all up on what a Dyson Sphere is? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Trish, do you know? Nope. It's a ring world but only I... encapsulates the entire sun. Oh. And so okay. it gets destroyed, and there are hundreds of millions of escape pods, of which tens of millions are plunging into the sun. And they can't... and. They can be rescued if there's anybody on there who can make a small technical change. And of course, there's nobody on these tens of millions of them. So the engineer, you know, Scotty, basically, rejiggers the transporter to send himself to all of them simultaneously. Wow. And for the remainder of the series, he is now a demographic. <laughs> Single-handedly responsible for um, returning the Guinness brand to uh, market viability. Nice. And that's, that's how smart and funny this comic is. And they kickstarted a role-playing game a couple years ago. And it has, it's a squad tactics military. And they have really cool mechanic for it where you run a squad leader. But they keep lethality by making it very easy for you to die. And if you do, then you just promote some member of your squad up. And they have a mechanic they call ablative meat. Which means that if your character is going to cack it, you can instead have one of the members of your squad act to save your ass. If you do that, you flip a coin to see whether or not that squad member dies in the, dies in the action. But before you're allowed to flip the coin and decide it, you have to name the squad member. <laughs> so you have to get a little bit attached to him before you find out whether he lives or dies. It's always, uh, it's always yeah. a bad thing. Yeah, and what happens That's in the play because of that is you have a lot of, oh my God, they killed Kenny, right? An amazing number of them get, get named Kenny. But you also get a few characters who, they survive multiple coin flips, right? You get <laughs> one, one unkillable private, <laughs> right? Who, and then you start caring whether or not he lives and dies. It's actually a really cool mechanic. And again, because it's a mercenary action, it lends itself well to episodic play because whatever the mission is, People who show up at the table, those are the squads that got assigned to the mission. That's, that's, uh, I know Dan runs um, Star Trek episodically also. That would work really well with oh, a, because yeah. uh, I mean, you only focus on so many characters per episode anyway. Yeah. And I figure maybe Call of Cthulhu would work because, you know, if all of the player characters survive at the end of any given session, you're, you're doing it wrong. It's, that is true. I've only listened to four ever Cthulhu games, and um, yeah, it's a total party kill every time. If you do it right. Although, um, Octoon Cthulhu is a really interesting variant on that, and you have some survivability there. It's interesting. Well, I've, uh, I listened to the Unspeakable Oath podcast for one of their episodes, but I also, the other one I listened to, they ran a whole bunch of Delta Green versions, and yeah. it, it always ended with one of the guys going, Okay, well, I'm the only one left. I'm gonna roll my sanity. Oh, I lost. So, <laughs> game's over. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> my wife will get that reference because we just watched that movie recently. Mm. So I noticed on your Pixar, you made mention to Paranoia indirectly. Ooh. You ever play the game? Oh, I love Paranoia. It is one of my very favorite games. 
All right. Cool. Uh, you got any advice for playing it, running it? I just got uh, a copy. So get zany. That's all that matters. All right. And, um, just embrace it. If you're going to play it, just embrace the weirdness. And if you're going to run it, whatever you write the first draft, go back and make it more ridiculous. Um, I have a game that cool. I run at a lot of conferences or at a lot of the conventions. And how it works is, so there's a sector that we've heard nothing from for 30 days, right? I mean, no video feeds, no emails, nothing, no messengers, no, no anything, no contact at all for 30 days. And well, the high programmers want to go congratulate them for 30 consecutive days of no reported worker absenteeism. <laughs> awesome. Fine. <laughs> And then the PCs have to go make sure it's okay before somebody gets killed. And it doesn't exist. The entire sector doesn't exist. And so in the con games, what I end up doing is, what, what really amuses me is the lengths to which the players will go to try to locate this place that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, backstory was that the contractor was hired to build it just pocketed the money. <laughs> so it, and it's only 30 days old. It's never existed. Um, nice. My favorite that ever happened was the group of uh, troubleshooters who got a large crate, <laughs> addressed it to the section they were looking for, and all climbed inside. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so just the weirder, the wackier you can get, the better. Embrace it. Just, you know, love the ride. That's Paramount. No, it can be so much fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Kostikian, the original writer for, of uh, Paranoia, might be in the anthology, actually. Really? Yeah, he said he would if he can get he, – he may or may not have time. And so I haven't figured out whether that's a celebrity saying he's totally down and we'll do it if he has time or if that's a celebrity saying no and being polite about it. <laughs> I don't know which of those it is. But it would be – Either way, maybe. Yeah, Exactly. I'll put you down for a maybe. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I, I do love Paranoia. It is one of my very favorite games ever. We play Drunken Paranoia, where you don't have a limit to the number of clones you can have, but every time you die, you take a shot. Oh, wow. That sounds yeah. strangely like the game would disintegrate after a certain length of time just because nobody was coherent enough to play. Yeah, but you can't tell the difference between a well-run paranoia game and a paranoia game like that, which is beautiful. Yeah. I've never played, so I don't have that experience. The only person I ever offered to run um, refused to explain absolutely anything about the game. And anytime we said, okay, well, we don't have all the players here for the game that we were running, uh, we said, just go ahead and run paranoia. It's like, no, I'm not ready. I'm like, yeah. we told you to have it on deck in case we are. Not doing. Yeah, I haven't played Paranoia in a while. Now I want to go play Paranoia. You and me both. We'll get we'll get Steve Geck in it. He's uh one of my gaming buddies. He is. You need to meet him anyway, DJ. He's a he was a chief engineer on a destroyer before retiring from the navy. Sweet. And uh, yeah, he drinks uh vodka and Sunny D. That's an odd combination, He's but a no. man. 
and drinks vodka and Sunny D. Well, I invented Dr. Peppermint, which is peppermint schnapps and Dr. Pepper. So, I mean, I can't say that it's a terrible combination, but it's it's interesting. I'd try it. Yeah. Does he have a name for that drink? I don't know. Probably some pun on screwdriver, I would imagine. But no, usually he doesn't. He doesn't even talk about it. He just shows up with a gallon of Sunny D and a bottle of vodka and doesn't share. I would call it Sunny Da because you know that's a play on. Uh, yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> he mixes these ridiculous three mile or Long Island iced teas, which we refer to as three mile Island iced teas, which he insists that he mixes just out of the book. But what we found out just a couple of years ago, despite having you know drunk with this man. 14 years. He thought there was less liquor in a shot instead of the 1.5 ounces of liquor that go in a shot glass. Okay. <laughs> so he'd been pouring an ounce and a half of liquor into his Long Island iced teas for every liquor the recipe called for, which is why we refer to those as Three Mile Island iced teas. We used to drink a lot of Long Island iced teas, and I, I would appreciate that. Yep. Speak of the devil, he's, this is the third time he's tried to call me. I'm going <laughs> to... Steve Geck! Hey, Jason, come over, man. So I'm actually <laughs> on the radio at this time? Well, you're on, you're on YouTube. Well, I'm, I'm on a podcast. I'm being interviewed on a podcast, but they're friendly people, and one of them was in the Navy. So I figured I'd let you talk to them. No, no, I'll pass on that. I'll be done in... Probably 40 minutes, although I'm a little lit. That's fine. Ooh, good call. Okay, I think I will take you up on that. I'll I'll text you when we're done here. All right, talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I'll pass on that. <laughs> and my son's a drive so I don't have to stop drinking. And before I go over, that'll be lovely. Uh, I'm gonna go get a drink, so I'll be back. That's right. it. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would love to run an episode, or I, I would love to run a long-term campaign. The last thing I ran, I did an actual play podcast on. I don't have any of the episodes anymore. I don't know why they didn't survive whatever move, but um, it was a group of four players playing um, Vampire the Requiem. Okay. Um, the original intent was that they would become embroiled in the uh, prince power struggle going on. Uh, what happened, because they're players and they destroyed my entire plan almost immediately. Of course. Um, they ended up completely removing the power structure in place and installing the weakest one of the group as the prince. Nice. Before they decided to stop playing. So, I mean, we, we got to that point, and then I was going to... I was going to take it in an interesting direction at that point, but they... none. Uh, we lost two players right off the bat, and then a third one said that he would show up every once in a while and never did, and then the fourth one um, never came back either. So, basically, I lost everybody, and I tried to keep it going by bringing in four new people. Uh, one of those people stopped showing up. I don't think I ever heard from the fourth one again but two of them were interested enough to where they grabbed another one of their friends and I tried to dive it back into an ancient Rome type thing and I just I didn't have the heart to keep going at that point because they had I don't know it's ruined it so much new people into an existing campaign especially if there's a bunch of them 
because they don't have, you know, you didn't pitch them on it originally, so they're not as excited about it. It's tricky. Well, I, I basically, I gave them carte blanche to create the characters that they had told me about that they loved so much. Um, I did not realize the power set of one of them so that I was a little bit taken aback by what he was capable of doing. And I did have a plan for kind of them overtaking the existing power structure so that they could basically go on from there. But um, the guy with the superpowers, basically he was a superhero in vampire form, um, kind of didn't he wasn't interested in running anything he just wanted to fuck with everybody's shit and i i didn't know how to deal with that that is one of the one of the problems with the world of darkness rule set although i haven't read the revised rule set that came out what 10 years ago now but before that where yeah. they were not built by people who had run games with power gamers the degree to which a motivated person can abuse the rule set and create a god is pretty 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 severe. Um, and of course, you know the solution to that is don't game with assholes. But sometimes you find out they're an asshole after they've wrecked your campaign. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, no, never met old man. <laughs> I've I've just I've wanted to get out of White Wolf. Not that I hate. I would love to run Vampire even at this point too, but um, I I wanted to play something else because, yeah, I can basically run White Wolf from memory almost, but I don't want to. I want to play something different and interesting in a different setting, which is why, like I said before, I was so excited to hear that Green Ronin was going to do The Expanse because I love The Expanse. Oh, so that reminds me. I'm going to text myself that because you mentioned that earlier. And I reminded myself, and then I forgot because I've been drinking. They've only announced it, so it's not out. But have I? Um, I've read the first three books, and I think I was in the middle of the fourth one. But I've I've gone back to listen to the books with Trisha so that she can kind of catch up to me, and then we can both advance past that. But we've also watched the TV show, which she initially became disinterested in, but I think has regained interest as it's gone on. Yeah gotten better but like i said the other night i have to keep reminding myself that the entire tv series that we watched isn't going to happen in that first book mm -hmm. i need to remember that it's going to be really slow <laughs> yeah so season one is the first book and season two is the second book basically i actually am not allowed to read the books at this time why uh so my wife is extremely smart and very good at reading my facial expressions and body language. She loves a TV show, doesn't have time to read the novels. I read the first half of the first novel, and she got so tired of me spoiling things by going, ooh, 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 watching the TV show that I'm not allowed to read past the progress of the television show at this point. Well, in <laughs> fairness. Not allowed means I volunteered so as not to spoil her enjoyment of the show. <clears throat> so I don't know who said it online, but I agree with this 100% that The Expanse TV show has is the only made-for-TV thing from a novel that has surpassed the source material. So if you can hold on to only reading the, the book after the season's out and just watch the seasons, I mean, it. I, I think that now that I've watched the show... 
mm-hmm. and I'm listening to the book for the second time, and she's listening to it for the first time, I think I'm catching a lot more than I did uh, when I initially read it. Very cool. And it sounds like I'm safe to read the entirety of the first book now, which is nice. Yes. And actually, like the second book, too. The, the last episode of the season is the name of the book that it's about. Okay. Okay. So I can go too deep. That'll be good. Yeah. I have, to, I have to push back a bit on the statement that that's, that that's the only TV show that has surpassed the written source material. Well, it's, the, that's the way they presented it. I, I haven't seen anything else that's surpassed the source material. The uh, live can... action version of The Tick. From 2001 with Patrick War- Warburton. I've I've seen the show, but I I've never seen the source material, so I you don't never know. Read the comic, the Tick comic book. No. Oh my God, man. <laughs> nope. Nope. I have not. Oh yeah, so it, it is excellent, but the live action the Tick that came out in 2000 something with uh, Patrick Warburton was amazing. And then the, they're doing a really good job with the Happen Letter novels over on Sundance. Not sure I'd say surpassed though. We'll give them time. I'm, I've always been super into sci-fi, and I'm very into sci-fi where I get to see a lot of spaceships. So okay. that's it's, good to know that. I love me some Star Trek and some Star Wars. I don't have to choose. I love them both, and I love The Expanse and Battlestar Galactica. And um, I really wish they would remake Bu- uh, uh, Buck Rogers for a modern audience that would be great too yeah i had one big bone to pick well two big bones to pick with the battlestar reboot what's that well the first one was that somewhere around three quarters of the way before the end of the last season the writers all dropped a shitload of mushrooms and never came down (laughs) which is entertaining for a lot of people but it got just plain weird there at the end but i can't argue yeah, but more importantly to me, that whole plot point about with featuring the Watchtower song. You know what I'm End of season three, yeah. Say again? Yeah. End of season three, yeah. Yeah, and it kind of carried through. We find out at the end of the season that, you know, they, they land on Earth somewhere between 100,000 and 40,000 years B.C., the Watchtower hadn't been written yet. I don't know why this angers me so much, but it really, really makes me mad. <laughs> but keep in mind that all of, their, all of our gods are named after their call signs and their gods and all that, that stuff. Sense because they became a part of the mythology. Yeah. So, so you're suggesting that maybe they sang the Watchtower song and it came through and through and through and through and through to Dylan and then Hendrix. I, I'm thinking that, yeah, maybe somewhere along the line there was some sort of subconscious thing going until somebody that could actually play the music put it out. There you I go. I can work with that. I, I can actually, you have actually palliated my anger, sir. I salute you. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I win! Cheer. Didn't uh, you, What? Oh, yeah. Cheers. The, the reason... Um, well, the other things in that same article, and I wish, really wish I had something to reference, but the, the, they kind of referenced that the, the Expanse was basically all kinds of different sci-fi properties built into the Expanse, like Battlestar Galactica, I loved, and now I love the Expanse. I don't like Firefly, but it's because I don't like Westerns, and that's a Western in space. 
So I liked the Serenity movie, but I did not like the TV series. That's interesting. My uh, my brother, who loved Firefly, had the exact opposite thing because he really dug the sci-fi Western vibe. And then, of course, the movie was much more sci-fi and much less Western. And I, I just, I can, I mean, if, so... I can probably show you, I can name on one hand how many Westerns I actually enjoy. Uh, we were looking for a movie to watch the other night, and uh, Trisha suggested we watch the remake of The Magnificent Seven. Mm. And I said that I would be okay with that one because it's a remake of The Magnificent Seven, which is a remake of The Seven Samurai, which I like. Okay. So I, I would give that one a chance. But it's it's I've I've also watched and enjoyed. I want to say it's Unforgiven, but I'm not positive. And I liked the Young Guns movies, but they were kind of not super westerny either. No, the Young Guns movies were a boy band shooting Colts. Yeah. yeah, I liked I like I can I liked those. But if if my parents or my grandparents or whoever were sitting in a room watching a, a John Wayne Western. No, I'd gag me with a fork. Smother me. I'd, I'd rather be dead. And did you see this came out a couple years ago? There was a, I can't remember the name of it, but some Japanese director made a samurai remake of Unforgiven. Ooh, which no. is so deeply really? meta, I practically shit myself. But that, uh, I will have to look that one up. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was interesting. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Mikey Mason, one of the contributors to the uh, to the anthology. See, uh, see what I did there. There you uh, go. He actually, has, he actually got partially famous for his song "She Don't Like Firefly," which is about how he's in a relationship with this perfect woman, but has to leave her because she didn't like Firefly. <laughs> and she don't like Firefly. That's why I had to say goodbye. She don't like fireflies, so she's gone, gone, gone. And every conversation with someone who is a super fan of Firefly that I tell I don't like Firefly, they, of course, get on me about it. But I'm like, I don't like Westerns. It's not Firefly specific. It's I don't like Westerns, and that's a yeah, Western. A Western vibe to it. Yeah, well, it's I, the, the whole fact that all of their lingo, you can just tell, comes straight out of a Western. The way Mal dresses is straight out of a Western. Yeah. Um, they just treat everything like it's the Old West and the frontier. Yes, it's in space, but I mean... And even Serenity looks like a horse. Yeah. So, I mean, it's there's so much. And as soon as I tell whoever arguing with me that I don't like Westerns and that that is a Western in space, they're like, all right. <laughs> the whole <laughs> argument is gone. I'm like, I just, I hate Westerns. I mean, you can't be trusted, but we, we get it. <laughs> Thank you for backing yeah. me up on that. Excellent. <laughs> and and my fantasy issue, I mm. apparently can watch fantasy without a problem. I love Game of Thrones. I love the the all the Peter Jackson Tolkien movies. Um but I don't want to play I don't want to have anything to do with D and I, I guess I maybe I, I attribute that to the fact that when I was younger, that's all the people I wanted that I played with wanted to play until I finally found a group that was willing to try out something new, i.e. Shadowrun, because it's the only thing I could get my hands on. That's all they wanted to play all the time, and I just, I'm so, 40 years later, I'm still so burnt out on... I'm burned out on the day, yeah. <laughs> just don't want to have anything to do with it. 
Yeah. Now I have my D&D group and I love gaming with them and we've had we've been playing D&D consistently with the exception of a year and a half when I wasn't in the country since 2002. Uh, we've run three complete campaigns and then four ones that kind of fizzled at different times. Uh, last three years, two years each. But and then there's all these other systems that we'll also play. Different people out. Yeah. I just I just like I said earlier, I just want to roll dice, man. I don't I don't care. I I want to roll dice so badly I downloaded an app and I, every once in a while I just roll the dice just to see what comes up. <laughs> he's gone he's gone all quiet again. Oh. He's gone all quiet again. See, I can hear him. Ah, there it is. Yeah, and I like just rolling dice. Are you playing GURPS? No, this is uh, this is um, age. This is the age system. It's all quiet again. It's not he me. That is the age system. Age system. Three dice. I'll interpret for him. You move your mouth, DJ, and I'll talk. <laughs> and that's it's so odd, and it only happens once in a while. Okay, he'll come back. All right, so till he comes back, it's it's super odd. I just don't understand why all of a sudden it stops working. Yeah, he broke up a lot, and then you broke up, and then well, the last time he jumped off, he broke <laughs> up a lot, just like that. So I mean, yeah, this is very so... odd. Very odd. You know, I had, I had offered to actually meet him somewhere to to have the show like that. And he's like, no, we'll just do this this way this time. Experience in touch with him. I was standing by. There we are. We uh, we vamped while we uh, waited for you. Excellent. So the last time you had to reboot was you kind of got all choppy right before. And right this time, too, you got choppy, too. So I, I think that there was, I don't know, maybe the connection got clogged up. Probably, probably my my kids probably wear something in his room. <laughs> well, in about twenty minutes, we'll be done at most. Well, in about twenty minutes, he'll be done too. I think, so. Yeah, yeah, that was an entertaining moment when I picked up his phone for some reason and he left his browser open. Oh. You know, I'm trying to be, you know. Enlightened about it. And said, oh, okay. Well, do you have any questions? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase this. Ask me an intelligent question about pornography and sex. No, 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 no. Well, then I'm just going to start talking about sex to you until you tell me. And I start talking to him about how women's breasts in porn are larger than normal women's breasts. And the same applies to the male actors. So you shouldn't feel bad about yourself if you're doing any At which point he volunteered some questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I would too. In fact, I was ready to start giving you some. But... <laughs> you're, you're ready to start asking questions too. And he you know, asked a really cool question for a teenager. I was really proud of him. You, what so, if girl wants to, to do it with you, but you don't, but you don't like her that way. My response was, "Buddy, you're not going to have to worry about that." 
So funny you should bring um, porn up. Um, yeah. uh, really? Episode 89, which is our most viewed episode, is actually titled How to Hide Porn on Your iPhone. Nice. And in the first five minutes, I explain how to hide porn on your iPhone. Okay. Um, I haven't checked it recently, but the last time I looked, we had over 800 views. Okay. How does one hide? Actually, no, I'll go view the... the... Yeah, yeah. I tell you in the episode. <laughs> it's probably... I want to say, though, now it might be different because of the new operating system update that we have. No. It still applies. Okay. Excellent. Maybe maybe there are additional ways to hide it on your iPhone. Oh, well, I'm then. sure. I mean, I, I I could definitely come up with more if if that's what my viewership really wants. But um, I'd really like to stray away from that. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the old days, Jason, what we found out was that the uh, titles that had porn related things in them got really high views. Or UFC. Yeah. Funny story about the UFC also. I was watching the UFC 200 in the background of one of the podcasts, and I had put it in the title as, you know, we're watching UFC 200. We got 400 hits in less than 25 minutes. Holy it's shit. because people thought I was live broadcasting the UFC, which I wasn't because I'm not that stupid. Interesting. That works. Yeah. It, it's. I mean, it was our fastest, highest viewed show but people figured it out pretty quickly that i was not broadcasting the ufc some pretty high bounce rate but yeah oh and yeah nobody stuck around for more than a minute or two yeah ufc porn podcast episode 102 <laughs> <laughs> ufc and porn episode one <laughs> <laughs> we watch both live on the air excellent <laughs> that's a great wrestling move which one are you talking about I'll let you get. <laughs> <laughs> it was both bases, sex and violence. Right? right. Welcome to America. <laughs> yeah, now I've discovered that my bread and butter is the Buju RPG. It's the thing that gets the most hits on my website. And regardless of what else I try to put out on my website, it is still the number one hit on my website. So I'm fight it man i'm i'm not i'm not fighting it anymore i just i need the time to work on the second version of it so that i can actually put out the second version of it <laughs> excellent where did that come from that's yeah what else and the first the first version i developed as I was going, so I mean, I created it, I created all the rules and stuff as I was going, and I tweaked things until they kind of worked, and then I released it to the world, and then bulletjournal.com um, did an article about me, and I was like, oh, I got oh, one, I got a thousand hits in one day. <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah, it, uh, it. And for some reason, my website, when our websites went down, and when the backup came back up, my highest hit day was like 800. So that was like two or three days later, but I'll still take it. Yeah. Yeah. That's still impressive. Oh, and, if my dad ever noticed anything. Well, I warned him, and he didn't. I, I, I said, you know, you might see a lot of hits in the next couple of days. He's like, yeah, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> my my dad is our, our server. Yeah. Nice. 
yeah so the uh the 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 my my viewership it, it spiked and then it slowly started arcing back down and it i i got a i get a level number i mean it's it kind of goes up and down here and there depending but uh like people are constantly rediscover are newly discovering it so they they keep going to the website and that's cool man and I know this because they keep asking me questions because I've asked people, you know, if you have a question or you want something clarified or maybe you want to give a suggestion, email me and I respond to everything. Very cool. I expected a big bump after Fear the Boot, but I, I mean, it went up like 50% and then it died down like the very next day. I was very disappointed. Yeah, boot, the booter, booters have a big, good following, but they don't often follow the show notes. As, as much as with some other media. Oh, that's true of podcasts in general, as far as I've been able to tell, because if you see a mention of a website in a blog post, hell, you click on those links accidentally sometimes. It's three in the morning, <laughs> wondering why you're reading about Sumerian mythology when you just wanted to look up the score of the game you missed. Right. But where it takes a, a lot more effort on a podcast to go ahead and follow the link. But there's stuff that people say on podcasts all the time that I'm making notes of. Check this when I get home. And I've got, that's what I use my notes app for most of the time is to check all these things and check the show notes and all that because this guy said this thing and it sounded really cool. I want to check it out. I mean, most of it ends up not being worth my time, but I mean, at least I'm going and checking out the things that sound super interesting. I think you're unusual in that. I, am. I, mean, I often intend to do so, but by the time I get home, because I mostly listen to the podcast in the car, I forgot. That's why I write it down because mm -hmm. I will also forget it. There's, I mean, you could, you could tell me something and then like, like my Japanese reference earlier today, I still don't remember what it was. I started off on it and it, I just went off a cliff and I just don't remember what it is. And I'm going to get a text from you at like three in the morning, aren't I? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I just don't remember. I don't remember. Oh. Okay, nerd stuff. Yeah. Have we read the three body problem? What's the three body? The body problem, like as in the physics celestial, or is it a book? The book. No. Okay, the three body problem by Shishin Liu. This is the best science fiction book I've read in the last five years. Oh, you find that uh, Chinese author? Yeah, yes, yeah, the Chinese guy. It's the you know one yeah. of the most successful Chinese science fiction writers. It's his English language debut. Yes, nice. I saw that. It's like if Neil Stephenson was Chinese, huh. and it's a trilogy, about fifteen hundred pages worth of book, and I just cranked through them all in a weekend. I may have come across this by accident while I was looking for audiobooks to listen to when I ran out of podcasts. Okay, you might have. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's, there's a lot of spoilers, so I won't go too far into it, but it's huge ideas. Uh, the initial mystery that it sets up is that it's happening right about now, maybe five, five years in the future, right? And... The physicists who are engaged in primary research, the ones who are figuring out what's going on, they start committing suicide. So what the huh. fuck did they just find out? <laughs> okay. And then the, the rest of the books are what they found out and what happens to humanity when they find out. And the timeline is in the tens of millions of years. Wow. 
and the ideas are enormous. And because it's written by somebody who grew up in China with the Chinese narrative structures and in a Chinese culture with Chinese assumptions about how human beings behave and how societies behave, it keeps you guessing because it doesn't just fall on the tropes we all recognize. You expect one thing to happen and an entirely different thing happens because that's just not their narrative structure. And it's the most fascinating stuff I've read in half a decade. Hmm. And I need wow. to talk about it to everybody. Every nerd I talk to, I talk about it. In fact, my wife forbids me to talk about it around her because she's tired of hearing about it. <laughs> I'll give you something else you can talk to her about. Okay, awesome. The audiobooks that I am totally into right now are lit RPG, but I don't want to do the fantasy versions. I want to do the sci-fi versions. So I just finished listening to Bushido online. And if you don't know what lit RPG is, or if the people that are listening want to know, um, lit RPG is where you are reading about someone who gets stuck in or voluntarily goes into some sort of virtual reality game. Okay. And that's hold the whole book. Oh, huh. cool. Some of them get stuck. Some of them just don't leave. Okay, I will check that out. That actually sounds really fun. I I don't like the fantasy genre so much that I won't even read the fantasy the, the fantasy versions of that. So the Bushido Online, it's a it's it's a game set in medieval Japan. So I I totally dive dove into it. It was it was awesome. Okay. I'm waiting for book two to come out. Well, actually, book two's out. That RPG. Yeah. Now we were talking about comics earlier. We've read Dar um, Red Sun, right? <clears throat> Is that the Superman one? Ah. No. Okay, so it's the only interesting Superman story, in my opinion. The trouble with having an invulnerable, omnipotent person is stories about invulnerable, omnipotent person people are boring. I would, I would, I, I, I don't, I've never read Red Sun, so I can't really speak to it, but I have read, um, the uh, the Alex Ross version thingy, um, Kingdom Come. Okay. That I thought was a super interesting way to handle the characters too. Yeah, I haven't read that one, so I don't know. This is the only one I've, I've experienced. And the basic idea is back when the shuttle landed, instead of landing in the American heartland, it landed in Ukraine. <laughs> so a lawful good god grew up learning about truth, justice, and the Soviet way. Oh. And Lex Luthor ends up being president for life of the United States. And it just explores the mythology of Superman and what would happen. And it's really, because he's still lawful good, but he's a goddamn commie at the same time. And it's just really, it's really interesting. It does sound interesting. Yeah. Um, I've... The my I, I've been a Marvel guy most of my life, and I don't like them rebooting the character or continuing to kill off and rebirth the characters yeah. or restarting their numbering all over and over again. So my now now my Marvel universe is the cinematic universe, and I have moved to more independent things. And when Comic Cons come here, I buy independent creator books. Um, I'm going to be asking these specific creators as soon as I read this one. We can start with him, or if Metal starts reading this one, we can start with him because he's ready to go. Um, uh, these are independent creators. Um, I read a lot of um, 
the image books now where I, I checked out a lot of the image books. The ones that really stuck with me is uh, there's a guy writing com uh, God Complex. It happens yeah. in a world where certain people wear masks and they like super powered or they're like connected to the super internet or whatever. But they it's uh, it starts out with a, 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 a triple murder and a guy has to work with these gods to help figure out what actually happened because they can't figure it out on their own. So the sixth issue just came out and I'm super excited to read it. Six Oh. Oh. You there? I'm here. Hear me now? Ah, there, there we go. go. Yeah. You your your image froze, but I, we can hear you. Lost you there. We can there see you, you now. Now we can see you. But you you can't hear me anymore, can you? Thank you. Can you hear DJ? Okay. <laughs> okay, we can. I can hear you and see you now. Can you hear me? Ask him. Lost you there again. Okay. Okay, so I can't hear you. But that's okay. Can you? <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. One moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna re, I'm gonna re-enter. It, it should be the last time, everybody. It should be the last reboot because we got seven minutes. We should excite my wife because in seven minutes we can take pills and go to bed. Yay! I'm getting my new. I have to without helmet. I'm I'm listing my new dryer sheets online, so then I'm going to go to bed. Nice. Good idea. There we go. And we're back. And that one was my fault. I went and chased a URL real quick, and it looks like that was more bandwidth than we could handle at the moment. <laughs> um, you're talking about independent creators. Johnny Scotch is a uh, graphic novels and novel series written by a professional jazz musician who lives here in the Portland area. And the character Johnny Scotch is a jazz trumpeter slash either private eye or just asshole who likes to beat people up. I haven't figured out which yet. <laughs> and he's kickstarting the most recent uh, iteration. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, and uh, the author John Dover, a.k.a. Johnny Scotch, is uh, he's a uh, jazz trumpeter who plays a lot of venues here in the Portland area. So the next time he's on stage, I'll, I'll let you know we'll go have some pints and uh, heckle him. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a super big jazz fan, but I will definitely go drink and listen to music. I often I find I need to, to enjoy jazz. <laughs> I think I'm going to bring my AirPods and uh, keep my hair over my ears. I'm going to love it, too. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge jazz... I'm not a huge jazz wankery fan. Because, you know, there's a lot of jazz that is just a couple of guys showing off for other musicians. 
But then there's that jazz that you get, like, the soundtrack of 70s uh, cop movies, which is a little more fun. And Johnny usually does that kind of jazz, which is nice. But he'll also tell you filthy jokes in between his, in between his riffs. So. Any, everybody loves filthy jokes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, all good people. Everybody we can trust. Right. I kind of feel like the two kinds of jazz are the one where everyone's playing the same song and the one where everyone's playing their own song together. I, I really like that. Mm, yeah, those are kind of my my <laughs> options there. <laughs> yes, yes, that, I, I can't disagree. But before we get into anything else, should probably start winding down, uh, getting close. <sighs> You're not the farthest person that we've had on uh, away from us, because um, that still belongs to our Australian friend. But, <laughs> but uh, you um. You're the. You're, I think you're the only one to actually have something to plug. I think, well, at least the first person to have something to plug. Ooh. I I honestly think that's correct. Huh. Wow. Oh, us. That's cool. Yeah. Can't you maybe say that he is the closest guest that you've had? He he is the closest. Well. Yes, he's, let's say it. He's the closest guest that we've had. See, there you go. Now you get a title. Outstanding. Closest guest. Well, because yep. I was gonna, I was trying to think, would Morgan have been considered a guest? But she was actually a host for a while, too. So that kind of eliminates the guest part. So you're, you're, you're the closest guest we've had. Outstanding. I'm honored to be the closest guest. And <laughs> just let me know the address and general description of anybody closer who gets on the show. And I will do what is necessary to remain closest. We'll <laughs> <laughs> show well, up at the house. Well, well, there's only two ways to rectify if someone is closer, and that's you move or you get us to move. Or I delete them before they can actually make the appointment to be on the cast. Or you get that promoted to host. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that how you get promoted to host? You, you kill one of the current hosts? <laughs> it's like the Highlander games. Yes, there can be only three. <laughs> you start showing up more often than the actual hosts, then then that's uh -huh. how you get to become the host. Yeah, because if Rodor ended up being a host on Fear the Boot. And well and and when I heard them them do the whole we interview people and then some of them just end up staying, I'm like, ah, interview me again. I'll be on <laughs> And that's a long shot because Dan fucking hates Skype. <laughs> well, and when he said Skype, I'm like, you know, we got other ways to do it. We can do the Google Plus thing. I can call. He's like, no, Skype's the easiest way to do it. I'm like, damn yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Because the only reason I have Skype on any device is to do stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but we but. got we got off track already. Jason, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And um, since you're new to this, um, we do stay on just a hair after if, if anybody wants to talk about anything. Sometimes we just all go right away. But uh, uh, so thanks for joining us. Um, I, we, I'll include the Kickstarter link in the show notes for the, uh, 
I think for both the video and the audio, but definitely the audio. Awesome. And then uh, uh, Metal, thanks for staying up. No problem. Thanks it's for like having me. It's in the morning where you are, isn't it? Uh, it's only half past midnight, so. Yeah, when we used to, I started limiting these shows to two hours, and when we started when, before, when we had longer shows, it would be like three in the morning. He'd be like, I got to go to bed, people. <laughs> yeah, I got up in four hours. Uh, <laughs> yuck. All right, guys. And I'll probably yeah. uh, bail out, too, because apparently I need to go be at this buddy of mine's house. <laughs> That's right. But uh, for the viewers and or listeners, because when this comes out on audio, uh, we will see you next time. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Take it easy now. Um,